Well, uh, I'm actually really happy that there are some people here because all week long I just felt like I was hearing of all these people dropping like flies due to COVID. Uh, you know, so all of you who are at home with COVID, we're praying for you, praying that you are getting better quickly and fast. And if you're staying home to avoid COVID, I'm thankful that we have internet so that you can still join us. So we're really, really glad that you're with us as well as uh, all of you who are here in person. Um, this last week, I uh, pulled out my phone, opened the YouTube app because I was trying to go and look for something, and I fell for the oldest YouTube trick in the book. They presented a little video, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And I clicked on it, and it was a YouTube short. You guys familiar with YouTube shorts? It's YouTube's really pathetic attempt to compete with TikTok. I think the videos have to be like under a minute or something. And what's really bad is that the videos are so pathetic, you're looking at it going, oh, the next one's got to be better. And so you scroll to the next one. And then you think at the end of that one, oh, the next one's got to be better. And like suddenly half an hour goes by, like your thumbs soar because you just keep scrolling to go to the next video. I share the story because one of the videos actually helps to prove a point today. It was a video of a guy holding some money and he's standing next to a guy with an iPhone. And he says, one dollar... Or your iPhone. And the other guy is like, well, I'm going to keep my iPhone. And then the guy says, all right, $10. So he adds a zero, $10 for, or your iPhone. iPhone. $100 or your iPhone. iPhone. Well, he adds yet another zero. $1,000. iPhone. $10,000. iPhone. $100,000. At this point, I'm thinking, take the money. Like you could go and buy a hundred, I mean, like just buy one iPhone and then you got $99,000 left over to do with whatever. I mean, like this is a no brainer. And to the shock of all the viewers, the iPhone owner looks at the money, kind of thumbs it a little bit and then says, iPhone. Now I'm pretty sure the video is fake because the money in the guy's hand looked a little too large and the other guy looked a little too happy at turning down all that money. Right? So I, I think the whole thing was a setup, but I just thought about it. Like, imagine someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to buy your smartphone right now, and I'm going to offer you $100,000. Now, I, I realize that, you know, your phone's probably important, and that you may have some photos on there that you really want to keep. You know, it's got all your contacts. Maybe you've got some notes on there, some of which are personal. But $100,000! Now, in the video, if, if it were real, clearly the guy made his decision what was more valuable to him, the phone. But you could tell by the way I'm acting, I'm taking the money. It comes down to what do you value? Clearly in the video, the guy valued his phone more than the money. And I'm revealing that I would actually could use that money more than my phone. But we make these sort of decisions every day. We are regularly making decisions that reveal what we value. Like you regularly make decisions. It's almost like you're living inside of a uh, would you rather game. You know that game? Would you rather go to the moon or the bottom of the ocean? Would you rather, you know, date an alien or, you know, be single all of your life? You know, like it's really, really crazy scenarios. But you live in a would you rather game like all the time. Like would you rather eat ice cream or have a skinny waist? You've noticed what I've chosen. Would you rather watch another episode or get enough sleep? Would you rather, you know, accomplish your task or watch another YouTube short, as pathetic as they are? 
Like every day you make these sort of decisions. Today we're talking about fasting. Oftentimes when you come to the topic of fasting, there seems to be this like guilt built into it. Because the large, large, large majority of us do not fast. And when we do, we do it for a short bit of time every once in a while. Like maybe if you've been part of Riverwood for a while, you do something for our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and then that's it. And so when you hear someone teach on fasting, you sense that, oh no, I'm going to have my spiritual arm twisted behind my back. I'm going to walk out feeling guilty. Today, we're going to hear Jesus put it forth before, before us that fasting is really just a values-based decision. He's challenging us to consider what do we value more? Do we value our food or our social media or our shopping or our sports or whatever? Or do we value the presence and power of God? It really comes down to what you value. We're going to see this in Matthew chapter 6. So if you brought a Bible, I invite you to open it up to Matthew chapter 6. Last week we were in verses 5 through 15 as we looked at the topic of prayer. So this week we're continuing on and we come to the topic of fasting. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, we are in, as Jake said, our 21 days of prayer. Uh, we have just a few more uh, little devotional booklets out there. Even if you're part of the Riverwood family and did not get one, please take one. And even if you've missed the first week, just start today, day nine. I read day nine this morning. It's really, really good. I encourage you, open it up today. Just start on day nine and join us right here. You could always go back and catch up later if you so desire. The readings will only take you two or three minutes. Even if there's only one book left, don't be nice. Don't go, oh, well, I'm going to leave that for someone else. Because God probably saved that booklet for you. So please take it. We bought them. I don't want them sitting there. There's no use for it after our 21 days. I'd rather it be in your hands and be used by you uh, than it sit there because you were trying to be nice. So don't be nice. Probably the only time you'll ever hear me say that. Don't be nice. Take a booklet. Uh, hoard it. Use it every day. And uh, get a lot out of it. Okay. We're going to read, but as we get ready to read, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to your holy scriptures. We ask for you to do in us what you need to do so that you can do through us what you desire to do. God, I pray that today would not be a day where we feel guilt-ridden, where we feel uh, spiritually manipulated. Um, instead, today we would hear your invitation to, to come into something better, something greater, a place where we are reminded of what truly has value and we would find ourselves wanting to enter into the spiritual discipline of fasting. So God, would you teach us now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. <laughs> Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. I feel like the past few years, the uh, idea of fasting has become actually kind of trendy. But not in churches and spiritual formation. It's become trendy for its health benefits. Uh, there are many people who use fasting for weight loss. They use what is called intermittent fasting, or as the cool kids call it, IF. 
It's, it's where you fast for a certain number of hours every day, and then you keep all of your eating within a certain window. So the most common IF is a 16-8. You fast for 16 hours, and then you eat for eight. Now, those 16 hours include your sleeping. Now, if you're going to go really hardcore, you might do a 20 and 4. You may fast for 20 hours and keep all of your eating within a four-hour window. All right? But fasting has proven to not just have like health benefits for losing weight. There's also some indications that it has other benefits. For instance, fasting has been shown to help control blood sugar levels. It has improved some people's blood pressure. It's reduced high cholesterol. Some uh, research has indicated that it helps in balancing hormone production. And there's one study out of the UK, I forget when it came out, but it was fairly recent, that shows that fasting may actually help prevent cancer. And for people who have cancer and are going through chemotherapy, Fasting actually helps make the chemotherapy more effective. Now, they still need to do more studies on that to verify it, but there seems to be some health benefits to fasting. But I don't think Jesus is talking about the health benefits. The health benefits are great, but I think Jesus is far more concerned about your heart, about your life. And so he focuses on the spiritual benefits. Now, before we get to the things that he talks about, I want us to look at the very first three words because they're very important to understanding what we're talking about today. The first word is and. Now, you might be using a translation that does not have the word and. I'm using the English Standard Version today, the ESV. Uh, It's what I started with and I was reading through it, but then I, I decided to go over to the Net Bible, the New English Translation, and read it just to see a different you know, view of this passage to help me in beginning to understand so I could teach today. And as I began, I noticed they didn't have the word and. And that got me curious. So the, the online study environment that I use uh, with the Net Bible, they have a parallel Bible, so I clicked on that. And what I discovered is about half of the English translations do not include the word and. Well, this had me really curious. So the Net Bible has this uh, Greek tool, just so you know, I don't know Greek, but it's this really cool tool where you hover over the Greek words and then they show you the English equivalent and there, a little box pops up, pops up at the bottom giving you definition and how the word is used. So I start hovering my mouse over these different words and I hover it over this one and there's no word it pops up over on the Net Bible. And I realized that is the word and. So it is there in the Greek. So the English... Uh, The ESV is not being wrong in including it, but the reason a lot of translations don't include it is it's often in Greek a filler word. It's kind of like a word that gets used to just keep a sentence running on and on and on and on. You may not know this, but sometimes when some of the passages you read in the Bible, it doesn't work in English. Like in Greek, I think like Ephesians 1, like verses 1 through 17, I think is like one long run on sentence. Right? It's just a mess in English, but it was totally normal in Greek because they use all these filler words. I've noticed that one of my filler words when I write is the word that. And oftentimes I can just eliminate that and my sentence still means the exact same thing. Same with this Greek filler word. The translation, if you're using, doesn't have the and there. It does not change the meaning at all. But I'm thankful that the ESV included it, not because they're better, but because it made me pause and realize that because there is an and there, it is tied to what just came from before. And what came before it? Prayer. Meaning prayer and fasting are linked. 
When you fast, it's not just about you going without food or going without social media or giving up Netflix. It's about you eliminating this so that you can put in prayer. The two are linked. Now, even if your translation does not have and, I think you can still capture that idea. Because as you read through fasting, you see Jesus says some of the exact same things that he said about prayer. Last week, we heard him telling us to pray in secret. This week, he's telling us to fast in secret. The two are linked. When you fast, it should be an and. It should be fasting and prayer. But then notice the second word, when. Not if you fast, but when you fast. Now, Jesus' original audience wouldn't have batted an eye at this. They would not feel like he's trying to manipulate them into doing this because fasting was a regular part of their worship. And so when he says, and when you fast, they'd be like, okay, we're listening. We want to know because we fast. But as they said, many people in our day and age, they only fast for the health benefits. Jesus said, no, there's a spiritual benefit here. So what I want to encourage you to do is don't make fasting an if, make it a when. For instance, perhaps you realize that you're constantly planning your next meal. Like even as you're eating one, you're thinking about what you're going to have next. Like your whole mentality is all about the food you're going to have. Maybe that begins to help you realize that you've been making your life all about food and not about your father. So maybe what you need to do is fast one meal. Just say, okay, on Thursday... For supper, not going to eat. Instead, I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to make the end. I'm going to include prayer, maybe some worship music, and I'm going to seek after God. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness after his baptism and he fasts for 40 days. 40 days of no food. All he had was the water that was in streams and rivers as he's wandering in the wilderness. So at the end of it, Satan shows up and begins to tempt him. Well, after 40 days, Jesus is pretty famished and so satan starts at hunger if you're really the son of god turn this stone into bread now if i had the capability of turning stone into bread i would have caved right then and there even though i have to be gluten-free i'd have done it 40 days of no food all right yeah i'm eating but jesus doesn't give in but jesus doesn't just look at satan and go you idiot get out of here i'm not listening to you no he quotes scripture he goes to Deuteronomy 8.3 and says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. Some of you need to go through this spiritual discipline to remind yourself that you do not live by bread alone. You do not live by pasta alone. You do not live by ice cream or chocolate or steak alone, but by the very words of God. So maybe you need to set it aside for a meal. Maybe set it aside for a day to remind yourself, I don't have to have this. You see, God gave us food. Food is good. Food should actually lead you to worship God. It's just sometimes we allow ourselves to actually worship food. We make it all about that. We, we, we have that bite and we're like, oh, that's so good. What should it be doing is causing you to go, oh, that's so good. Thank you, God, for taste buds. Thank you for steak. Thank you for this. But instead, we just usually worship it by eating more. Maybe some of you, it's not food. Maybe it's social media. You're checking Facebook eight times a day. 
Like you're, you're constantly checking your notifications. You know, anyone contacted me? Anyone commented? Oh, I, I'm in this like Facebook argument. I got to respond. And you're just constantly checking it. And suddenly you realize you've made your whole life about this online world that, that you aren't living in this world and you're not walking with your father. And so maybe what you do is set it aside for a time. Just decide every Sunday, not checking Facebook, just putting it aside. Or, or you know, like, okay, I, I've gotten too into this, too wrapped up. One week, I just got to put this aside. But don't just get rid of it. Fill it. Remember the end. Make it about prayer, scripture. Seek the Father to remind yourself, I do not live by Facebook alone, but by the very words of God. So don't live just an if you're going to fast. Try to live your life to make it a win. And then the third word, you. I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that things like fasting are for like the super saints, you know, professional Christians like me, you know, but like for the commoner and yeah, no, no, that that's for them. Well, you must realize that Jesus is not just talking to the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of the day. He's not just sitting with his 12 disciples who will go on to become the apostles. He is sitting on a mountain with his disciples at his feet and a crowd before him. He's speaking to the common people. And it's when you fast. This is for you. You see, Jesus knows that there's something good, something better that will come. And he's not going to rob it from, uh, keep it from you. He doesn't want to rob you. He doesn't want it just to be for the super saints. He wants to help turn you into that super saint. And part of what he will use is that fasting. Because as you go without, you're reminded that you don't live by that thing alone. You live by God and his goodness and his grace and his love. You live by the gospel. So help put that reminder into your life. It's for you. But Jesus wants to make it really, really clear. So he basically kind of shows us two ways to fast. First a negative and then a positive. First, he says, to fast without a gloomy face. Notice the rest of verse 16. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Uh, do any of you remember those uh, Snickers commercials? I think they're about 10 years old now that basically said, you're not you uh, when you're hungry. Okay. See a few head nods. One of the very first ones I remember seeing was a group of guys out at this big park, big uh, flat area, and they're playing football. And it's kind of muddy and whatever. And the one guy goes hike and some guys run out and, you know, camera shifting around. The guy's getting ready to go for a pass. And all of a sudden you see Betty White run across the screen. This is very appropriate since Betty just passed away like a week and a half ago. So Betty White streaks across the screen. All of a sudden the guy throws the ball to her. She goes to catch it. It's really pathetic. She gets hit in the moment and she falls down in the, the mud and the dirt. She gets up, goes back to the huddle. And one of the guys starts yelling at her. What is wrong with you? You're playing like Betty White. And she starts getting mad and she's, you know, you know, getting after him. And all of a sudden you hear this voice off to the side. And there's this 20-something-year-old girl. She calls over Betty. Goes, come here. She walks off the little bleachers and Betty's, you know, complaining and that. And the girl goes, here, eat this. And it's a Snickers bar. And she, Betty's like, why? And she takes a bite. And the girl looks at her and it's like, because you're not you when you're hungry. And all of a sudden the camera goes back to Betty and Betty's no longer there. And it's just a regular 20-something-year-old guy. And the girlfriend says, better? 
The guy goes, yeah, better. And then the narrator comes on. You're not you when you're hungry. Eat a Snickers. The Pharisees were basically trying to be Betty White. They wanted everyone to know just how miserable they were at football or, or while they're fasting. And just as everyone loves Betty White, they hoped that everyone would love them because they would see just how spiritual and holy they were. They made their fasting this outward thing. And I think Jesus just kind of smiles, shakes his head. It's like, oh man, if you make fasting this outward thing, if you're doing this just to try to impress people, or God forbid, you're actually trying to impress God, then your only reward is attention and a hungry stomach. That is not the kind of fasting God calls us to. He says to fast without the gloomy face. Instead, we are to keep our fasting in hiding. Verse 17 and 18. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In the book of First uh, Samuel, the Israelite people have gotten their first king, a guy by the name of Saul. But Saul's a really bad king. And God ends up rejecting him. And God tells the prophet Samuel that he has selected a, a, a successor. And so he tells Samuel to go out to Jesse's farm. And it's one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel makes the trip out there. Jesse greets him and Samuel's like, hey, call your sons here. So all the boys come outside and they line up. And Samuel takes one look at him, sees Eliab, the oldest, and says this. This is 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. When they, the sons, came, he, Samuel, looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel did what all of us do. He judged the book by its cover. I mean, he saw Eliab and probably saw that maybe he was a little taller than his brother's. Maybe as a, you know, a, a Jew, he had a really good, impressive beard. Maybe because, you know, he worked on dad's farm. He's, you know, like fairly muscular. Samuel takes one look and goes, man, that has to be the king. I mean, we make judgment calls like that all the time. We, we judge based on how someone smiles, how their hair looks, what kind of clothes they wear. I mean, we, we judge people based on the outward appearance. But God says to Samuel in his heart, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is why Jesus tells us to keep our fasting in secret. Not because we're trying to live a lie in front of everyone else. But because we're trying to remind ourselves, I'm not doing this for the benefit of others. I'm doing this for the sake of my relationship with God. And God, who sees what you're doing in secret, rewards you with his presence, with his power, with his love, the, re the reminders of what he's done for you through the cross. And you just have this sense of his presence with you. That's why God gets so after the Israelite people through the prophet Isaiah. There's this whole section in Isaiah 58 on the topic of fasting. It begins in verse 3 this way. This is the people talking to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? 
In other words, the people are saying, God, we're fat, going without food. We're making our face gloomy. Everyone can see how miserable we are, yet you don't seem to notice. Where are you, God? Don't you care? I'm doing this for you. And God replies, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your pleasure. In other words, when you're fasting, you're not focused on me and our relationship. You're focused on yourself. You oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight, to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. God is saying, I love you. I want a relationship with you. And I've called you to fast to remind yourself that you do not live by bread alone, but by me. That I am to be your sustenance. I'm to be your everything because I've created you. And so I know what's best for you. And so I want you to be tied to me so that I can help you live the life I've created you for. And yet they were using the fasting for their own means. They were still oppressing people. They were still discriminating. They were being cruel, violent. Nothing was changing. Instead, God says, here's what true fasting should look like. Uh, Zion, I forget where I have it, but skip down to verse 6. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? I mean, if you're going to fast, give up the food, you've got a little extra. You can share it. Uh, And bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In other words, when you fast and you do it in secret, you're seeking after God. You're allowing him to do that deep work in you. And what he's doing is slowly shaping you and molding you into the image of Jesus. If you make it all about outward, if you make it all about religious duty, you're robbing yourself of the good things that God wants to do. But when you say, I'm going to do this in secret, you're saying, God, I value you more than the food, more than the social media, more than having more possessions, more than whatever. You matter more to me. And God begins working you so that you begin to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. Suddenly you find yourself feeding the homeless. Helping the poor, listening to a friend, being more caring, doing what Christ has called you to do. Simply because you took the time to not make fasting an if, but to make it a win and say, for this season, for this week, for this time, I'm setting this aside so that I can focus on God because I value him more and what he wants to do in me and through me. Maybe just hearing Jesus teach this isn't enough. What he want you to realize is that Jesus lived this. He practiced what he preached. And, and I don't just mean fasting from food. Yes, Jesus fasted from food for 40 days. I have had a couple of friends attempt that. They actually did it. It was hard, but they don't regret it. Longest I've gone is eight days. I cannot imagine going 40 And yet, they said it was worth it. They sensed God in a totally unique new way. 
that that's not what I'm talking about. You see, Jesus didn't just empty himself of food to show that he valued the presence of God more. Jesus actually went farther. What Jesus did is actually greater than just giving up food for 40 days. And we see it in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church. And he wants them to understand this idea of humility. That they don't be like the Isaiah 58 people who are oppressing the workers and being violent and, and cruel. That instead they would consider the needs of others before themselves. That they would be humble so that they could serve others. And so he wants to point to the most humble person he knows of. Jesus. And he describes Jesus this way. Verse 6. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of a God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus did not empty himself just of food. He did not empty himself just of the social networks of his day. He emptied himself of his very identity. He did not get rid of his divinity, but he set it aside. He emptied himself and took on human flesh. Not just that, he made himself like a servant. He's on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. He's feeding the poor. He's helping heal people. He is there to serve them. But he didn't just stop there. He humbled himself so much, emptied himself so much, he emptied himself of his very life. But remember, we're talking about the upside-down kingdom. In the upside-down kingdom, empty is full. And that is what Paul shows us in verse 9. So because Jesus has emptied himself, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In other words, Jesus went low, so God lifted him high. Jesus bent down, so God rose him up. Jesus emptied himself, and God used that to reveal that Jesus had the fullness of God. Empty is full. And that is why Jesus invites you to fast, to Empty yourself because he knows that as you go low, God will lift you high. He will reward you. He will do something in you. But he doesn't want you doing this just to try to impress other people, to try to impress God, to make yourself feel good and feel like you're super spiritual. He wants you to humble yourself, to empty yourself so that God can fill you. Because Jesus, God the Son, emptied himself and now he bends to you. And says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father season secret will reward you so heavenly father we just ask for you to help us to empty ourselves that you would help us to be willing to set these things aside for a time 
whether it is a meal, whether it is food for an entire day, whether it's a particular type of food or drink, whether it's a, a, a social media or entertainment or something that we've been giving just far too much of our attention to. God, so many of these things are actually good. What you're asking us to do, though, is to give up the good to go for that which is better, to go for you, to remind ourselves that we do not live by these things alone, but we live by your very presence, by your very goodness, by everything of who you are and what you've done. You are to be the foundation of our life. So that's why I ask you, God, through your Holy Spirit, to give us the courage to not make fasting an if, but to make it a when, that that when we fast, We would incorporate prayer. We would incorporate scripture. We would seek after you through song, through nature, through serving. So that we might be reminded that you are to be our sustenance. You are the center of our lives. Because God, this isn't you trying to manipulate us into something. It's you having something good for us. You don't want to keep this from us. But you know that so often the patterns that we engage in this world keep us from that which is better. So God, help us to, to, to be in that place where we show our, what we value, that we value you more than these things of this earth. So God, that is why as we come to the communion table, I ask that you would humble us. That as we take those cups, as we open it up and have that wafer, we are reminded of Jesus who emptied himself, who came and took on human form, He had human skin. He had human blood. He had human DNA. Yet he was also God. He was perfect and divine and sinless. And yet he gave himself for us. So because you, Jesus, emptied yourself, God has put you above all things that at the very name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that you are Lord. So God, that is why right now through these communion elements, we come to you, we bow before you and we say you are Lord, that you hold all the fullness of everything we desire. God, as we take those elements into us, may that be an emptying. May we empty ourselves of our own uh, desires, our own ways. For those who are fasting during these 21 days, that this time of prayer and communion would be a reminder to keep going, to hold on, this is worth it. Because you, God, have something better for us. So God, use these next moments to call us to empty ourselves. Knowing that as we do so, you fill us with your spirit, the fruit of your spirit, with the character of Christ, with all that you are. So that we might go and be that blessing you call us to be. To be a light shining into the darkness. So that other broken, hurting people might find their wholeness in you. And they too can come to a place of emptying themselves of the things of this world and be filled by you and your goodness. So help us now, Father, as we go and do this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jake leads us in song, a song that comes from Psalm 42. Uh, 
you're allowed to do what you need to do. If you need to be on your knees and pray, you may. If you want to stand and sing, uh, we're also going to open the communion tables. If you want to incorporate these elements into your worship, please do so. If you are a first-time guest, we have open communion tables, and so you are free to come and participate with those if your life is in Christ. Uh, If you are a first-time guest and and you're not sure where you're at with God, I'm just going to ask that you very respectfully not take these elements. These elements are all about Jesus, what he did for us through a cross and an empty tomb. But if you know that story to be true, if you've made that the center of your life, then we invite you to come. You don't have to have had a perfect week. This past week may have been an awful week. You may have sinned like crazy. And yet, Jesus loves you. He died for you, and he died for that sin. So come. Come in humility. Come in brokenness. Empty yourself right now to take these and to be filled with the presence of Christ. Let's do this now in remembrance of him.